Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I suppose that's the sub-level that any, any investigators want to get at. They want to get one of these guys to, to, to flip and start talking. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Thomas Bomber Kavanagh cooperated with police during an investigation into weapons and their location in Ireland. The crime boss serving 21 years in prison for drug dealing appeared in court on weapons charges, but a judge at Westminster Magistrates Court heard that he led officers to the guns and to the ammunition. They were discovered in Newry in 2021. Messages taken from the Encro chat phone hack were also described as forming part of the National Crime Agency case against Kavna and two co-conspirators. The same case involves his son Jack Kavna and brother-in-law Liam Byrne, who are both fighting extradition to the UK from Spain. Today, I'm talking with journalist Eamon Dillon, about the court revelations which will leave the Kinahan network worried that one of their own may be helping out the police. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Thomas Palmer Cavanaugh, if you take, you know, if you look at him back in sort of 2017, 2016, he was at the height of his power. He seemed very untouchable. He was so feared and now he's doing his 21 years and has just been landed before the courts again on major weapons charges. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, this guy, as we've been told, was considered bigger than Kinnahan um, back in the mid 90s. Um, you know, the criminal assets were basically forced him out of Ireland. He took a decision to get out while the going was good. And, and you know, he was he was the top Irish criminal based in the UK and, you know, where he was the conduit and he was the guy who had the connections. And I suppose he was um, superseded then by the likes of uh, Christy Kinahan and, and of course, um, uh, George Mitchell, the Penguin as well. Um, and now he's doing his 21 years, which he got um, just, when was that last year? I think he got his, he got his sentence. He's been in prison since 2017. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like, I mean, this whole new tranche of charges that have come out against him, I suppose, the first, the first kind of inkling, you know, publicly that we knew about what was coming was the arrest of uh, Liam Byrne, 
his uh, his brother-in-law uh, in, in in May and his son, of course, as well, Jack Kavanagh. So now he's looking at another hefty sentence, I think, because, I mean, judging by some of the the other cases involving firearms in the UK, you're, you're talking kind of 20 plus years. So he's going to get another serious jail time. I wonder, will he get that on top of? Because what happens in the UK, they sound as if they're getting massive big sentences, but they actually get to serve 50% of it out on license. So even though he got 21 years, he's unlikely to serve any more than 10. Now, there is a big proceeds of crime case against him, which should be coming before the courts at some point at this stage. Um, it was launched immediately after he pleaded guilty to those um, conspiracy to import drugs charges um, which were put to him. But that's going on. And of course, he's property out in Mallorca where in Calador and it's part of that proceeds of crime case. What they do is they put together a, a, a sort of a bill I mean, I think in the in the case of Curtis Warren, his bill was like a hundred and God knows what million. But they work out how much they owe. And if they don't pay that bill, they then get another 10 years on top. So that's he doesn't get to serve out his second half on license. So I wonder, does he get another one on top or does it run at the same time or what happens with him? Well, we saw that with, if you remember the TJ Carroll case, the Irish brothel keeper who ended up getting, you know, quite a long extension because he made no effort to cooperate with the the assets hearing. Um, I think partly because quite possible some of his partners in crime had gone off with the money and he couldn't get hold of it anyway. So, I mean, it depends on whether or not he's seen as cooperating and presumably, I I suppose, assets like the house in Tamworth are, are relatively easy to realize. Um, they can be they can be sold off, and that might be enough to to save his skin. It, it depends on what kind of bill they come up with, and whether they decide that he owes ten million or or one point two million. So I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't actually seen any of the details from that case yet. I don't know if any of it's actually been out yet. Well, when I was um, over in the UK um, doing a documentary on him, and I was interviewing Matt Horn, who was then the deputy director of the NCA, um, he was able to tell me that at the time of the raids on Thomas Cavanagh's home. Um, there was about five hundred thousand euro in assets alone taken from the drawers. I mean, there was a hundred pair of designer heels. There was thirty six pairs of Armani jeans. There was lines and lines of these Hugo Boss suits, these Canada Goose jackets, these handbags, designer handbags. There was forty thousand pounds just discarded, thrown down the back of the couch, and left in uh, in designer handbags. And that was that alone. And then they seized all these store cards because they were keeping their points, whatever, wherever they were buying. <laughs> you know, like if you spend a certain amount in Brown Thomas, you get free parking and you get brought in and maybe given a glass of champagne before you spend more money. Uh, it's similar to some of the big department stores over in the UK. And I think uh, in particular, his wife was a great spender. So they've all that sort of evidence to go through. And then they have, you know, certainly the the house, the villa in Calador is worth a big amount of money. It's right on the waterfront there in that most expensive part of Mallorca. The house in Tamworth worth over a million and anything else they have. But anyway, that's a bit of an aside. I mean, it's another one of his problems because he just seems to be, I mean, of all people, he's been taken apart. I mean, I know he's only facing charges as regards these firearms now, but uh, we heard in court today that Bomber Kavanagh basically gave up some of these weapons, which were described in court as being found in the Republic of Ireland. I think they were actually found in Newry, but that it was information he gave the police. So 
you know, that would sound like, is he going to fight these charges or what, you know, if he was cooperative? I know it's a favourite subject of yours, but I mean, it certainly looks like it was all information from the Encrook chat yes. where it came out of. And we know that from um, some of the stuff that came up when Liam Byrne was arrested, that it was very much, it was um, the NCA had had basically had managed to put together a case based on the messages that had gone between various individuals. There's two others charged along with uh, mm. Mama Kavanagh. And of course, Jack Kavanagh and Liam Byrne are in Spain, presumably they're going to fight the extradition to England where they'll uh, presumably, it is where they're wanted for the same thing. It was the arrest warrant by the NCA, the National Crime Agency was specifically on on the same same thing. And they they did reference in that at the time that it was uh, was guns going to to Northern Ireland and that they were considered so big in this trade that one particular gang, I think had something like uh, 14 guns in a single order. So, I mean, it, it was... You know, you can see from a policing point of view, it's a huge case mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know, in the, you make a big fuss like when one gun is taken off the street. So, I mean, if you're managing to intercept a, a professional criminal gang getting 14 delivered in a single order, it's a, a fairly successful day out for any law enforcement agency. Most definitely. Um, but, and they actually discussed today. I mean, there was only a short hearing in court. I just attended it remotely um, along with some of the other Irish crime journalists. Um, but during that short hearing, they talked about Anchor Chat and they talked about some of the handles that were being used by the individuals involved in this conspiracy. So it was May 2021, I think, that those guns were found uh, relating to this the current warrants, overall, like said, yeah, the yeah, current yeah. warrants. So, um, and while the, the barrister said they were in the Republic of Ireland, they were actually in Newry, but Anchor uh, Chat was the year before, no? Um, it's around that time. I mean, you know, like I mean, I suppose Bomber Kavanagh, you know, his criminal network has just really, as you as you said earlier, like has been taken apart. But I mean, a lot of it goes back to that 2017 find in Green Oak, which um, you know turned up various documents, you know, as well as you know putting the likes of Mister Nobody, Declan Brady, behind bars. It also really disrupted the kind of the Kinnan cartels' money laundering, but it also linked various companies and entities uh, uh, to Bomber Cabinet to the UK, which gave the National Crime Agency something to, to start looking into. And I think it was from that then, on top of the Encrook chat information, mm-hmm. that you know, they, really, they really began targeting. So, of course, we had the, the, you know, the, the, the cocaine smuggling, which was brought in and tarmac breaking machinery or whatever, um, that got them to 21 years. And then this has obviously been you know, a parallel mm-hmm. investigation that obviously you know, they were waiting until the other one or you know, you know, the two one at a time. Um, and so this is this is the start of that now. But it's I mean, interesting like because the, the guns were found in May 2021. The Encrochat hack happened in the March to the May of 2020. But from looking at what the NCA did in the previous case against Bomber Cabinet, which was exactly that, he was bringing in the, the drugs and machinery and bringing the cash back out to Belgium to pay for it. Um, they actually found a tracker on a shipment in Dover, which allowed them then to go back and link another uh, perceived 21 shipments to Bomber's operation. So they, when they put the initial case to Bomber, it was for something like 200 million euro worth of cocaine. He successfully, he said he was going to plead guilty to it, but that he wasn't going to plead guilty to all that. And he successfully did a kind of a plea deal thing in the background. Now I'm using language that isn't accurate, but 
to bring that down to pleading guilty to 30 million euro worth of cocaine um, that he, he he accepted that he brought into the country. So presumably, if they're relying on the Encra chat handles that they described in court to do with this weapon stealing, um, they obviously have seized a certain actual amount of weapons, but they can see the communications as regards the sale and supply of them on the Anchor Chat a year a year earlier. Yeah, we've seen that in, in various cases. I mean, they're kind of using it as, I suppose, a roadmap um, that yeah. they know individual A and individual B, whatever nicknames or handles they're using. And they're, 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 they're then basically, you know, I suppose it's like having a, a map in a different language and you just have to figure out then, you know, what, what part applies to the bits that you have in terms of the evidence. Mm-hmm. So they've been able to slowly work it out and use that. Um, and I suppose certainly we've seen it in the UK courts. They've managed to so far resist any challenges to that, which I think was probably why we've been kind of slow to use that evidence in, 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 in Irish investigations or not even slow, but we haven't used it at all. Um, but it, it, you know, I mean, it, it really, it's amazing to think that, you know, this far on, like since the likes of Anchor Chat and Skynet and, you know, the other the other kind of uh, encrypted uh, messaging services that have been, have been cracked, that uh, it, it just delivered up such a trove of information. Mm. That I'd say, you know, they're only getting, they're still working at the top layer, that there's still going to be, you know, other people that there's some reckoning coming down for them as well. And it's quite possible the likes of Obama Cabin is going to have more charges brought against them as, as time goes on, certainly as... More, more people get rolled up. What's interesting is with Kavanaugh, when I was covering the court case, the conspiracy, and he pleaded guilty, as did Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning, his co-conspirators. But, you know, when you saw the evidence they had against him, what I found fascinating was that they got back into business so quickly, that Byrne organised crime group headed by Thomas Bomber Kavanaugh, the sort of Irish-English arm of the Kinahan cartel, and just like literally months after the death of David Byrne in the Regency Hotel, they were planning and plotting this new um, drug carousel, basically, to bring the drugs in and bring the weapons out. His uh, co-conspirator, Daniel Canning, was actually hiring and renting the warehousing that they were going to be using. You could see from the evidence the NCA put to the courts that by that Christmas, um, along with James Jawsburn, the father of David Byrne, they were out celebrating in New York. Their first shipment had successfully been brought through. They were drinking and partying in New York. And then you look at this case and it's May 2021 when these weapons are found in Newry, which are linked to, uh, to Kavanaugh, the charges put against him. But it was only March when he got handed down a 21-year sentence. But it just strikes me that there's no stopping this guy. Well, it, it does look like he's, I mean, if he's not cooperating, he's looking at a serious chunk of time. Um, you know, I mean, he is looking at another 20 plus year sentence. So I'm not sure exactly how the rules work in the UK, but it does imagine it'll affect like how quickly you get out on license that you have, um, you know, a, a long, serious record of, um, I suppose, you know, professional criminal offending. They're, they're going to take a different view. Um, you know, and like, it's amazing, like when you, when you say you know, I mean, the, the funeral of David Byrne, I mean, you could see the way the Kinahan cartel at the time were trying to use that, I suppose, as a way of of propelling themselves onto another level. There was, you know, I mean, even just the way the whole funeral was run, the kind of the uniformed clothes that the, the gang members wore, 
like all all the all the limousines. I mean, it was very much about power production, and it's like they wanted to get a bit of momentum to move on. As you were saying, you know that there was no question of of pausing business or taking stock or or, or going to ground. It, w- it was all about let's let's move on. You know, let's let's use it. And of course, you know, it was as a result of that that the, the guards got onto Green Oak, got onto uh, Declan Brady. So I mean, it, it, in in that sense, it backfired. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, it is it is kind of it is the end of the criminal career. I think of Bomber Kavanagh. Um, you know, he he is. I can't. I can't see him at this stage really getting back into business. Like, if if there is any suggestion that he is, he has cooperated the NCA. Like, there's no chance that the Kinhans are going to deal with him anytime soon. Well, that was stated categorically in court this morning. Um, about that, I thought it was quite amazing that that was brought up at such an early point of the uh, the proceedings. But yeah, that's not going to look good from anywhere. Well, I mean. It, well, it depends, I suppose, where he wants to spend the rest of his life. If he wants to spend it in a UK jail, if he wants to try and organise some more comfortable arrangements, I guess he's going to have to start cooperating. And I know maybe, I mean, he obviously knows more than than most people about the situation, like in terms of what's facing the Kinhans as well. So he may well have something. He may well have a serious bargaining chip and even, even cooperating with the NCA on, on these charges might be just a demonstration of his goodwill towards the authorities and that there's something bigger coming or, or maybe not. We don't know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I'd imagine that's the way Daniel Kinnan is thinking now. They're trying to work out, you know, wh- where do they go from here? Like, yeah. you know, and wh- what's he going to use or can they do anything to stop him? Because Kavanaugh would know a lot about the running of the Kinnahan organization. I mean, a hell of a lot. He was seen as Daniel Kinnahan's almost right-hand man. And certainly when it came to, murder here in this country after the Regency, they very much uh, joined forces. And I think Kavanaugh took on a lot of the the groundwork as regards a lot of those murders. And perhaps uh, both of them lost their key men in an attempt to kill James Mago Gately when Imre Arrakis, the Estonian hitman, was flown into the country. I mean, that operation was a disaster. It not only saw the capture of Arrakis, uh, and he ended up being sent back to Lithuania to face murder charges. But it also, both of their top men, um, Douglas Glynn for Daniel Kinahan and uh, Pader Keating for Bomber Kavanagh, were both jailed along with others. Uh, very significant players in it. Because of course, at that point in 2017, I think it was, they were frustrated by the amount of people that had been taken off the streets. They decided that between them, they'd put their top men on it and basically have no outsiders and uh, it it came a cropper for them. But I mean, we know that Daniel Kinahan is going to be wanted back here in Ireland, that, um, you know, it's likely there may be charges brought against him. And it's just an interesting coincidence that Kavanaugh, we're told, is cooperating with the police in the UK in regards to these weapons, perhaps only. But, um, you know, certainly it's going to increase paranoia in the Kinahan ranks, if nothing else. Well, it's a chink in the armour that I think any of the police in whatever jurisdiction, uh, you know, are working on the various cases I'm sure there is against the Kinnans. It's the chink in the armour that they've been waiting for. Um, you know, I'm sure they've been pushing every every angle they can, you know, whichever individuals they have. I mean, certainly, I think we mentioned this before, like, you know, but, you know, you know, when when the cash, I suppose, is running out for the for the kind of the lower down uh, members of the gang, 
that they're not they're not getting the wages sent like uh, while they're while they're doing their time or the money isn't arriving back in their in their wife or girlfriend's house that they're the people you know to some extent that there's uh, I, I suppose an exposure from from the gang's point of view about how much they can um how much they know and how much they can kind of trade for their own um, security to, or, you know, in terms of trying to get out of prison or, or even protecting their lives. Uh, but, you know, what they know after a certain amount of time fades. I mean, it's it's not particularly useful after a year if, you know, if if, if they're only mid-level. Mm. The, the likes of P- Bama Kavanaugh, who has basically been, you know, a lifetime, you know, as part of this organization, who was there from from day one. You know, I mean, he was probably there before the Kinnans became the Kinnan organized crime gang. He was very much, he was very much, I suppose, part of the the organism that they took over and grew from. Yeah. Um. And 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 kind of grew out of. So, I mean, he's he's kind of the roots of the organization to some mm. extent. So, and I mean, whatever been... he, whatever he has, it's going to be far more useful than you know these guys who you know even the likes of, you know, Declan Brady, who to some extent, while very senior. He's very much a functionary, you know. He wouldn't be as trusted. I mean, I mean, Bomber Cabinet was the, Kiltar, the the Kinnan cartels man in the UK, and you had Ross Browning was was their man in Ireland. I mean, and that's I suppose that's the sub level that any any investigators want to get at. They want to get one of these guys to 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 flip and start talking. And there's been talk really all along about the closeness and the connection between the Byrne organised crime group and the Kinahan organised crime group, because while they were very united around that time in 2016 and almost created a blood bond between Thomas Bomber Kavna and Daniel Kinahan, that day they stood shoulder to shoulder at that funeral of David Byrne. You know, there was a definite projection of power, fear and of the, the coming together of the two of them in this murderous response to the Regency Hotel. But in the aftermath, as it became apparent that the Byrne Organised Crime Group was being dismantled both here in Ireland and the UK, in Ireland by the Criminal Assets Bureau, houses were seized. I mean, they were easy to get at because they remained in these territories, whereas the Kinnahans moved lock, stock and barrel out to Dubai and they have stayed untouchable since. But after the first Regency trial, which saw... Patrick Hutch be accused of the murder of David Byrne and that trial collapsed and he was set free, acquitted of all charges. Uh, Sadie Byrne, the mother of David Byrne, did make some interesting statements in the aftermath of that court case. And along with her husband, James Byrne, they both said that they were not Kinahan, you know, that their name was Byrne, not Kinahan. And she clearly made a a distinction between the two groupings. She said that they were a family, not a cartel. Um, And reading between the lines, you felt there was a kind of a divide at that point, which would have been 2018, 2019. Um, You know, in the UK, the Bomber Kavanaugh's operation was very much under pressure since January 2017, when the weapons were found in Green Oak. And later he was arrested because of a stun gun in his house. And while in custody, he was taken out and told that this 300 million cocaine importation conspiracy has been put against him. I think he'd a bit of a, a wobble at that stage and ended up in hospital. He he took ill, actually, in, in prison and ended up in hospital. But around all that time, there was questions about whether or not these two groupings were still together. Um, and obviously, today's proceedings is going to kind of look make us are certainly going to suggest that that gap gap has widened even further. Yeah, well, just to kind of 
make it quite clear that, you know, like Sadie, who you're talking about, is his mother-in-law, is Bomber's mother-in-law. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where the connection comes in there. And, I mean, look, if, if she's saying that, I mean, she's, you know, quite outspoken. She's not shy about sharing her opinions. Um, so, I mean, you know, if she's coming out with, you know, comments that are putting distance between them and the Kinnahans, it's probably because they've been left to their own devices mm-hmm. that, you know, the Kinnahans have moved on from street dealing. Like, we do know that they're, they're, the Kinnahans themselves are probably more involved now in the brokering of large deals. And then the likes of Farmer Calvin or Ross Browning would be the people then to organize at the, the other end of, of the line, so to speak, on mm. getting the, the drugs to the market. Um, they were also in, in involved, you know, in, in money laundering and, in, in, you know, in kind of the more, I suppose you nearly call it the structural end of, of the, the, the drug dealing business, whether it's, you know, trying to buy ships or aircraft or whatever to ship stuff through, you know, Africa or through Turkey or whatever route they're, they're, they're going to come up with. Um, and ways of trying to wash those billions of dollars that are going to come from all this. So I mean, you know, they're they're at a they're at a different league. So I mean, like, I mean, when you consider, like, I mean, what a pointless, you know, stupid feud that was from you know, you know, from from a professional drug dealing gang's point of view that it just focused so much political and police attention on them, and yeah. you know, it's it's basically it's it's the end of the Byrne family as as a as a, a criminal unit, I mean, you, you now have one brother dead, another, another fighting extradition. The son-in-law, you know, pretty much out of the game in prison, possibly doing deals with the police to try and see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. His own son also facing, you know, possible charges in the UK. I mean, they're they're like they're they're no, they've nowhere to go. I mean, you know, if, you know, their cousin Fat Freddy is serving life for murder. Who mm. else? You mean? I can't think of them all off the top of my head. I know because they're a huge family. They're a huge family, you know, and they were actually, you know, of course, they they started out their criminal careers, Freddie Thompson and Liam Byrne and David Byrne, indeed, on one side of the Crumlin Drimna feud that Freddie headed up. They were all cousins. Uh, Liam Rowe is another cousin of theirs who isn't in jail. Um, and Owen O'Connor is another cousin of theirs. In actual fact, during the Regency trial, Sadie Byrne's mother passed away and the RIP notice showed that she had like 13 children, 160 grandchildren, you know, another large figure of great grandchildren. They were a huge, huge Dublin family. And Sadie Byrne, of course, was previously a row and they were very well known street traders in around the Dublin 8 area, but they're a huge family and um, obviously a very close family throughout it all. But yes, they as a as a unit, as a criminal organization and as a family seem to have the greatest losses out of the, the wider Kinahan organization, whereas there's plenty of hitmen, would be hitmen, money launderers, etc. behind bars that were working with the Kinahan organization. It doesn't have that same fa- family value. There's none of the Kinahan's relatives that are actually serving time or fighting cases as as big as these ones, the NCA are putting towards the uh, the Burns um, grouping, but um, yeah, I mean the case is due up again in September, where there's going to be a kind of pre-trial hearing, and you know at that point there might be some indications of pleas. Today, certainly, when I got on, his two co-accused indicated they were pleading not guilty. I presume Kavanaugh has currently indicated he's pleading not guilty. 
Um, it'll come up again in September. And they were talking about a sort of a February 2024 trial for the moment, if they get as far as that, if there's no pleas. I just remember from sitting in on some of the the online uh, hearings when he was when Bomber was up along with um, Vickery and Canning, um, and very much kind of stoic and keeping stum, you know, and and not really showing any emotion. I presume he was doing the same today, was he? He was. Yeah, he was sitting in a place they called the lobby. Now they're all in custody, all three. The other co-accused are a Sean Kent and a Daniel McLaughlin, who are dates of birth in the mid nineteen eighties. So they're in their mid-30s. Kavanaugh, obviously, is older than that. Um, but the three of them were, are in custody, so they appeared via video link. Kavanaugh was sit, seated at a table uh, in a thing. They were, it was just coming up on the screen as the lobby. So I don't know, was that in the prison? Um, because if he, if he was in the courts, they would have brought him into the actual courtroom. They wouldn't have left him in a lobby. So he must have been just in prison. But he sat uh, with that usual... Uh, resting sort of uh, bad humoured face is all I can call it. He's a very kind of square jaw and he's a very bad humoured man. I mean, if money made you happy, it certainly didn't work for him. Anytime I've seen him, he's like that. But he just sat and listened to the the details of it and he got up and walked out. He looks actually as if he's been working out in prison. He looks fitter than he did the last time I saw him. Um, But then that's what people do in prison. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's not going well. I'm sorry, I was just well, having a look at some of those charges that are actually against them. That they even mentioned that they had, you know, the hollow point um, ammunition, a dum-dum bullet, um, where some of, some, some of which was found. So, I mean, this, this is, you know, pretty nasty kind of weaponry. It's, you know, it's illegal under the, mm. on, under the Geneva Convention. Militaries can't use them, although police can, because they, 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 what they do is they shatter inside someone's body so they don't go through and, Hit another bystander, but they they cause terrible wounds. Uh, so I mean that that's that's not going to help. It's eleven firearms. So what's the, the fire? That, what does fireball firearm mean? Say again, a fireball. I suppose that they're they're not um they're they're not dummy ones. You you know sometimes uh, some of the criminal gangs they buy these guns that have been decommissioned that are then um they can be they can be reworked um you know and 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 a firing pin you know put back in mm. make them workable again. So I suppose sometimes they see some of these and they know that the intention is that they're going to be used. Um, they're, they're going to be kind of recommissioned, so to speak. They're going to be, you know, brought back into, into life. Are they sort um, of semi-automatic thing that they fire repeatedly? The semi-automatic is just every time you pull the trigger, like, right. you know, the, a, a bullet goes. Fully automatic is when you keep your, your, your finger on the trigger, just keep shooting. So, I mean, uh, you don't have to keep you know, cocking the gun or, or reloading it to, to fire it. Um, I mean, semi-automatic, I mean, virtually every gun I think that would be used now would be, would be generally semi-automatic apart mm-hmm. from a shotgun. And you see, you know, there, Kent and Kavanagh are also charged with conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. Um, I mean, that could literally relate to the stashing of the weapons or hiding them or uh, whatever. Interestingly, Lee Cullen, who was a a close associate of Bomber Kavanaugh who ended up in the UK. Um, he was jailed. For, he got about 18 years or thereabouts. He did. He got a long stretch all right, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, for he was or, he was involved in weapons, but they were sort of, um, were they coming in parts and they were putting them back together again or something? They were from France. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's something that there, there was, there was a particular... There was a particular case in the UK where there was, you know, basically a, a, an underworld engineer or, or 
you know, armorer, mm. um, you know, somebody who had basic, you know, who, who basic firearm skills, like in terms of being able to repair them. And they were buying basic collectible guns that, you know, have, have had parts taken out or have had the barrels filled or, or swapped out with a, a you know, a lower kind of a lower quality metal. But otherwise, the rest of the gun is is as is. So you can you can actually remachine them. You can actually you know make the, the parts that are missing or been taken out and turn them back into into workable weapons again. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's always been there's always been a big business in that. But at the same time, they're not entirely reliable. It depends on how good the armor is. And and some of those weapons, um, there was actually it was actually if I remember now it was a, it was a it was a, a there was a gang in Birmingham and there was a connection with some of the Limerick gangs at the time. That's right. Some of those weapons had ended up in Ireland. So There's obviously a great, a big trade in it. I mean, you can see how all the gangs are armed up now, you know, even just... Uh, when, I mean, like, I, I'm not sure exactly what price guns go for, but I mean, certainly in, in the not so distant past, they're talking about, you know, for a nine mil Glock, it was 5,000 euro. Um, they might have gotten a bit cheaper now. Um, but you know everything from shotguns up. There's a price on them. I mean, thankfully, it's usually the ammo is the problem. That it's harder. You know, it's harder to buy the the bullets for some of these automatic weapons than it is to get the actual weapon itself. And then, of course, people store them in, you know, in garden sheds or buried under under a garden shed, and they're damp and don't really work properly, or you know, don't have the same level of power as they should have if they were properly stored and cared for. High risk trade for a little monetary value, considering you know. The difference with cocaine, like I mean, caught firearms is it's a big risk, but I suppose it gives a gang that is able to supply them a power hold, doesn't it? It's it's one of those items to trade that is a powerful thing to have at your disposal. Yeah, I think there's kind of two parts to that. One of it is is that yeah, it gives you a bit of I suppose willy waving like power as a as a, as a gang you can. I mean, you see it at the lower level. Like, there's even one or two videos out this week of uh, two factions having a row, a row over something fairly minor, and they're showing off a, you know, an automatic handgun and something that looks like a Mac 10, and you know, showing that they have a full, a full magazine of bullets as well. And then there's, there's other people who are just obsessed with guns. I mean, th- there is something about it, like you know, that uh, you know, some some young men and not so young men are actually just obsessed with them mm-hmm. and would do it anyway, even if they were even if they weren't necessarily involved in a criminal gang. They would be kind of secretly trying to collect firearms for for whatever reason. It's just uh, it's something people like. I mean, we you saw that with uh, with one of the colopies uh, who ended up shooting himself in mm-hmm. the head, showing off. I mean, he was basically a gun nut, and and he was this, to some extent where a lot of power that faction had at the time was that they knew that he was the guy who had you know a cache of weapons hidden that he'd spent you know a lot of time and effort collecting up bits and pieces, and then of course wasn't so great at handling and managed to shoot himself in the head while showing off at a party. Yes, that was a very unfortunate incident. Brian Colopy, I think that was. Is that right? No, I think it's Philip, actually. Philip, Philip Price, yeah. yeah. Brian is, is still alive, having Brian recently still alive. served a, a, a recent sentence for heroin possession. Well, listen, we'll um, keep an eye on this next hearing from uh, the Kavanaugh and others charged with these weapons. Uh, and these this NCA proceedings and um, I suppose we'll see if we hear any more on the grapevine as regards to how the revelations from the court today might be affecting the Kinnahan's um, humour. Eamon Dillon, thank you very much. No worries. Thank you, Nicola. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. 
produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.